you. By now. About to witness. The awesome crushing might of the U G and Robinson Show Stop Welcome, my friends. Oh, sad day for those of you who know where we lifted that from. My friends, Z30, the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We got a packed show. Yes, indeed, we do. But first, yeah, that's nice. Look at that. That's class. Ah. Stigmata, Calling of the Just, Intro, All of Nothing, sang by the immortal Bob Riley, still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, the city where they attacked your car with a hammer. The words that if, if these don't go through your head several times a week, you haven't really been listening to this show. As you notice, we got a new poster. You say, oh, what's the big deal, You It's Oxford poster. The big deal is the glass is broken. So you have the peril of the old falling poster with the real possibility of injury, blood, and possible death. What more could you want? Z30. We'll let Bob Riley sing it right now. And we'll come back right to get the headphones on. I'm on my way back nowhere. Could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and forth always nothing. All right. All right, my friends. You know, uh, uh, I got to put the headphones on. You know that my friends thing, that kind of compulsive vocal tick. We uh, that uh, I've been using in the intro for maybe years now. Ah, I got that from John McCain. John McCain, the departed John McCain. And I like I like how everybody, when somebody dies, they all do the kind of UFC thing fight. No matter what they've said about your mother. No matter. Let's see if we can get this on. I think that's on, right? Uh, I got a level, yeah. No matter what they say about your mother, no matter how they impugn your your wife, your brother, your father, your sister, at the end of the fight, you go, you know, the most important person for the, at least three rounds to me was this other guy. Uh, you know, respect where it's due, due respect. Game over. At this point now, we can, you know, lick our wounds, celebrate our wins, acknowledge our losses, and move on into the future. Mm -hmm. All right. This is what people do. Every now and then you have the rare person who flees the cage and doesn't want to engage in a ritual humiliation of being a good sport. Now, John McCain, uh, um, uh, first of all, I'd like to inject a little bit of uh, QAnon here and say, if you have ever discovered that somebody has brain cancer, gliomas on their brain that's not on the side of their dominant hand, I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Dig a little deep. John McCain maybe had gliomas on his right side. John McCain may have been right-handed. Hmm. What, what are you saying, Eugene? I don't get it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hold on a second. The phone is ringing. Dominant hand, right hand, answering the phone. Oh. Dr. Keith Black from UCLA has done reports on cell phones, cladding, and uh, brain cancer, and everybody laughed him out. And that, you know, cell phone companies who put a lot of money, TV commercials and news shows, and they, they was 
the doctor from UCLA, Keith Black, and then they show a video of the guy because lo and behold, Keith Black is actually black, and then that's a, that's a lock. <laughs> this Negro can't possibly know what he's talking about. You know, if there was some high value industry counter, like you could use a cell phone or you could make a call on a cantaloupe, the fucking cantaloupe people would be putting tons of money into Keith Black, advancing the story that these things give you brain cancer. I used to tell people that they were making inside of my head warm. The old, I had the old Nokia flip phone, the aluminum thing, super expensive. I got an NFL Players Association gave me one a long time ago for reasons I don't know, I'm not going to go into now. That had everything to do with the, a fashion show that I ran when I was editor-in-chief of Code Magazine. It's not important. Important is it was this really super deluxe phone made out of aluminum. So it broke. I said, man, I like this high-end phone. It was super expensive. I contact Nokia. Say, well, we discontinued it. Why would they discontinue a high-end model that they'd given bunch to a bunch of celebrities and that was really super valuable and people were buying? Why? Maybe it has something to do with why the inside of my brain. Well, Eugene, how do you know the inside of your brain was heating up? How did it feel warm? Uh, you know, there are no nerve endings in your brain. That's true. But if I were to take a drill right here, the fascia, everything up to the brain, you can feel. And I'm telling you, inside my head was warm. Who knows? I might have gliomas now, but I, it's rare for me to talk on the phone at this point now. I text mostly because I can do that in meetings. I can do that in traffic. I don't get buzzed. Listen, you know what? All the kids are doing it. This thing, these guys early adopters, and as much time as they spend talking on the phone, show me. Show me a guy who is right-handed but has gliomas on his left side. Show me a guy who's left-handed and has got gliomas on his right side. Show me that. In any case, John McCain is dead. Now, this goes a couple of different ways. One of the ways, and Share Dog has got some piece up there about John McCain and what he meant to boxing. What you don't know or don't remember is that John McCain was one of the first people to describe who describe MMA as human cockfighting and aggressively opposed it, wanted to have it pushed, forced out of, of uh, Arizona at the very least. Why do you think he did that? Oh, let's go back to the article on Share Dog right now about what John McCain meant to boxing. Or let's go to that, uh, that buyer that I knew who worked at this high-end advertising agency in Seattle and was told under no circumstance should you take uh, money from the UFC for anything. Where'd the money come from? HBO, Budweiser, beer people. All in the bag for boxing. This is the early days of the UFC. Early days of the UFC. I've not come to bury John McCain, but to praise him. I'm not talking about him being in the bag for boxing, anti-MMA. Uh, That's not my point. My point is, is a very interesting way. I mean, he, he did some of the most terrible stuff I could ever imagine. And he bears his fingerprints are all over this Trump presidency. He introduced Sarah Palin into the realm of possibility, leading people and advancing the premise that anybody could do it. Anybody could do it. Hey, before George Washington was a president, he wasn't a president. Why not? Anybody who was president was not a president before they were a president. So why not let anybody be a president? Why not? Why not advance the notion of John the Plumber or Sarah Palin? Or what about if I run for city council here down the peninsula in Northern California and I get the job? How, how about me running next? You know, in theory, there's nothing wrong with that. In theory, there's nothing wrong with that. But they've done studies that indicate that Americans feel uncomfortable with a president who's smarter than they are. That is precisely the guy who I want to be president. And that ties into the whole, will I enjoy having a beer with this guy? Like they said once, and I'll say it again to Nostradamus, nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. So we feel, you know, 
a peer group, like the Colin Quinn thing. He said, you know, you take an average New Yorker, you could put him in a room with a 15 PhDs, got bona fide Jesus, Albert Einstein. He said, well, how was it? Well, how are those guys? And he goes, yeah, they're smart, but you know, they're not New York smart. You know, they got that, they got, yeah, yeah. We want to feel a peership with these people, but we don't want to feel like they're talking down to us. They're trying to explain. And you don't have to explain anything to me. I, I know. Look, look, you know what I don't try to do? Quantum mechanics. You know what else I don't try to do? Outside of changing a, you know, a, a, a fan belt, a thermostat, a, you know, distributor cap, uh, you know, a radiator, basic stuff on the cars. I don't fuck with it. I'm not putting springs on, I'm not adjusting my brakes. Why? Because I don't trust me. The stuff that you have to know to do a good job of president is stuff I don't have time to learn, given my age. So John McCain introduces Joe the Plumber premise in the form of Sarah Palin that any anybody could run. Anybody up to and including a TV show host who was a successful, air quotes, businessman. Now, this is apropos. Because out of all of the kind words that, that America is stumbling over itself to say, some of it nostalgia for when you had a Republican that you could agree with without being repulsed by. Disagree with without being repulsed by. That's what it's come to. People are looking with rosy lenses back at George W. Because we thought he was bad, but what we have now is even worse. We've had two indictments this week. What is that? Seven and eight on top of it. I'm not out to play partisan politics, and I'll tell you why before we get to the end. This is not a Democrat-Republican thing. If you're a Republican right now, don't stick your fingers in your ears and go, ooh, ooh, not listening. Ooh, ooh, I know what you're going to say. Ooh, ooh, because you don't know what I'm going to say. So, you know, everybody's everybody's given these kind of like encomiums and they're like, this bro, you know, this is what Obama leaves a beautiful one. And like John McCain, uh, 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 the Trump says, ah, yeah, it's a terrible time for his family. Of our thoughts and prayers after the family. And this is in the midst of, of course, another massacre at, at another gaming convention. Somebody pulled, he was having so much fun. He just said, damn, man, this is fun. You know what would make it better? If I shot the fucking place up, that would make it. Fucking shit. That, these games are great. God, bing, 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 bing. And, you know, if you hear sounds that think they're firecrackers, they're not. I, I'm physically not moving a lot because I don't want this, the jagged edges of this poster to come down and cut my throat on air and then be a fucking internet meme for the rest of eternity. Hey, man, you see that guy who was doing a podcast and, and the poster fell and it cut his throat and he fell and, and he died on the show? Ah, no, no, no. Not, not, not thanks. So, so, you know, Trump is the problem with most people's perception of Trump is that they expect Trump to be other than Trump. And in this case, like I've said, if you want to compare Motley Crue and Fugazi, people say Fugazi is much more artistically significant than Motley Crue. I am going to say, as I've said before, that though they're artistically significant, much more than Motley Crue, they are the, the or they are the less less uh, less honest band. I learned nothing about the people in Fugazi from their songs. I don't know what they feel. Um, I don't know what they like. I know what they're thinking. They're painting pretty pictures in the in the air for me, and it's entertaining, and musically compelling, artistically valid but not honest, or as honest as any Motley Crue record. Girls, 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 not on the Sunset Strip, that's their fucking reality. That's reportage. That's not art, even. It's the art of reportage. I'm taking a bunch of Coke. I'm getting some Jim Beam. I'm getting on my motorcycle, going down Sunset Strip, going to all the strip clubs, picking up some strippers, going back to Tommyland, which is what they call it. A friend of mine... Uh, a porn star, her name was, uh, I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name, Olivia, because there's so many Olivias, you don't know which one I'm talking about. She was the one from the 90s. 
blonde, uh, very large, uh, fake breast. And she and her, her boyfriend was obsessed at the time with uh, Tommy Lee. He was a Tommy Lee dead ringer. So they're, they're out hanging out. I think they were at the whiskey or some place like that, the troubadour or some shit. And lo and behold, some guy comes up to him and says, fuck, man, you look just like Tommy Lee. And he's, oh, thank you. Well, you know, I hear that a lot. He goes, actually, you know, Tommy's over in that booth. He'd like to meet y'all. And so they kind of go out, they kind of go on over and they start talking. He goes, hey, you know, we're having a party back at Tommy Land. Why don't you guys come? And so they go to Tommy Land and they're and the guy who's the Tommy Lee impersonator is like, man, I'm in heaven. He's in heaven. And they go up in there and they're like, wow, Tommy Land, it's pretty cool. And Tommy says to Olivia, he said, hey, come on, I, I want to show you something. And he and leaves the Tommy Lee impersonator there. He's, you know, he's like having a drink and talking to people, digging on the music. Olivia go disappears with Tommy. Pretty soon, five or ten minutes, one of Tommy's dudes comes up to Tommy Lee impersonator and says, hey, uh, the party's kind of winding down. Why don't, uh, if you don't have a ride, uh, Tommy's giving me some money so you can catch a cab. He's like, oh, yeah, but I, I came with somebody. I came with Olivia. He goes, oh, no, 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 she'll, she'll get home separately. And there's that moment where the Tommy Lee impersonator realizes he's been done. He's like, uh, okay, okay. Takes a cab fare, scoots on home. The fuck is he gonna do? The fuck is he gonna do? He's gonna fight Tommy Lee's bouncer in Tommy Lee's house. He's just happy to be in Tommy Lee. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. But my point is, that's Tommy Lee. That's the that guy. There's no confusion about. So anybody who's ever expected Trump to be presidential, the guy's in his 70s. He will always be as he's been. Get that through your fucking head. And in Tommy Lee's world, uh, I'm sorry, in, in Trump's world, an enemy goes, he's gone, bro. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Which brings us up to the topic at hand. How is it that, like, with Phil Baroni, that I got to be the New York interpreter for people from New York to the rest of the country? We have an animal aversion to snitching. You can't show me a single. It's only recently that the, the, the cinema has been full of examples where, and there have been, there've been fewer than you would expect. There was Norma Ray. It was Silkwood. Silkwood got killed in the movie. Think of some more. St- There's the one about the tobacco, Earl Morris, the tobacco thing. The, the fact of the matter is, I can count on two hands the number of movies that have extolled the virtues of snitching. The Valachi papers back in the 70s about Joseph Valachi, who was one of the first to turn on the mob. These guys are never held out out as exemplars. Never. Never. We have this whole American mythology of of truth and justice, the American way in the the Wild West and the the John Wayne and the straight talking, I mean what I say and I say what I mean, but still an aversion to snitching. Why? Why this aversion to snitching? Why? If there is a running gun battle in the street in front of my house and I call the police, I mean precisely the kind of thing that the cops are supposed to do. As a citizen, there are kids in the neighborhood, guys are having running gun battles in the street. I want to stop. I should call the cops. There are people who would look down on me for having done so. A larger percentage than you would like to think. You you know, you have 
how many times have you read, and it's not just a male thing, how many times have you read an Ann Landers or a Dear Abby, and don't tell me you don't read them, or any advice column, and the question at hand, the situation at hand is, I was out and I saw my best friend's husband, my best friend's wife, with somebody that they shouldn't have been with. Ann Landers, Dear Abby, I think they're both dead. Ask Amy, anybody, Dan Savage. Anybody says, look, you know what? Frankly, it's none of your business. You don't know what they know. They might know about it. There is, there's in the Bible this thing about bearing false witness. Don't bear false witness. Don't say shit that's not true. You're, gonna, you're, just, you're just a shit stirrer. Ten Commandments, one of the commandments. But there's never any. This is the, there is no virtue assigned to um to um to 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 a snitch now let's go back he says listen i'm going to be at a party tonight i'm going to be at a party tonight and and you'll know you'll know who jesus is i'm going to kiss a guy and that guy i kiss is going to be jesus The body of sin is a letter of law. That guy was an, an, an apostate. He was causing trouble. The rabbinical council at the time had decided that you should read uh, Bukhakov, uh, the one that I'm just getting to the end of now, Master Margarita. It opens up with a discussion of, of, of Pontius Pilate. And uh, there's an extended dialogue where Satan is describing having been there as, as, uh, at uh, Pontius' side. So Judas, Judas says, well, okay, you know, this is, you want the guy? He's broken the law somehow. Rabbinical counsel surrounded. I could make a little few bucks out of here. I'll tell you who he is. He wasn't a snitch. It wasn't a snitch. He was following the letter of law, but still he smells like a snitch. So this week, Cohen and, and Manafort both got convicted. One kept his counsel, meaning he's hoping for to drive a better deal. Um they're negotiating right now on the terms of his conviction, the aim being to not go to jail at all. And Cohen, who said, fuck, I'll tell you, like the blues song, don't start me talking, I'll tell you anything I know. And Trump goes on Fox, and he's now, you know it's bad if he's being lambasted by Fox. Chickens coming home to roost, they're all over him. Brett Hume, Brett Hume these guys are like, hey, hey man, we're behind you if you're not doing stupid shit, but we can't sign out. You say that the sun is the moon and the moon is made of cheese. You know, somebody's going to call us on that. We got to be a little credible. But he talks in the language of the street, casino politics. He's like, you know, this guy is flipping. It should be outlawed. You mean what the all the Rico statutes should be built on? You know, the guys who are partially responsible for killing Kennedy that's good news to them. Sam Giacana, where he's still alive, be pretty happy about that. And we would just get a bunch of underlings being busted. Uh, Sam Giganti would not have to wander around Little Italy in his bathrobe, even though I think he's passed on as well. And organized crime could thrive like his. But why the aversion? Why the aversion to snitching? I mean, these people are fundamentally truth telling, right? I mean, a, a snitch. Who, who who snitches in some way something untruthful is bearing false witness and not ex not not exemplar not being held up to as a virtuous individual but they have laws now to protect people who tell the uncomfortable truth and still we have a distaste in it i mean nobody does it you remember that time i interviewed the the uh, uh the under uh, uh, uh gang detail in new york uh, the retired cop and he was talking about trying to turn Albanian gangsters. And he's easy, easy to turn, easy to turn mafia guys at this point. The guys are like, yo, man, you're talking about 20 years in prison. And I just have to roll over on the guy one notch above me. Fuck yeah. Fuck that guy. You know. A friend of mine got busted for prostitution. They calls me from the hotel. The cops give me, what do I do? I said, call Robert. It's like my, my Saul, call Robert. 
Robert was distinctly unsympathetic. I said, call Robert and tell Robert you might have to tell everything you know. And then Robert put up the bail. Robert was a manager. So I, it's like, I'm not telling, you know, you have a question for me? I'll answer to the best of my ability, in all honesty. Yeah, I paid off these hookers and porn stars for Trump. What do I have to gain? What do I have to lose? The mob, guys are not going to jail for 20 years. They'll tell anything they know. Albanians, they couldn't break them. Why couldn't they break the Albanians? Finally, he asked them, why can't we break you guys? So you don't understand. They will kill everybody I know that I care about. My sisters, my brothers, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, my kids, and friends of mine, everybody. They can't have it. They have to send a lesson. And still, we hear that story, and we figure, Omerta. People talk about Omerta. I had a guy write a piece for me back when uh, uh, extolling the virtues of the days when, when snitches got stitches. He was an organized crime guy. It's up on Ozzy.com. You should read it. And most, most importantly, go to the comments. I, I, I don't remember the full name of the article, but it has when, stitch it, when snitches got stitches. And this guy took his ride like, and he uses this phrase, like a man. I've on this show talked about, you know, you have one thing and one thing only to do as a man, and that's to shoulder your burden without complaint. That's it. You know why? Because nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. Who cares? Maybe your mother. And even then, it'll be like the scene from The Godfather with your mother slapping your face. Well, you want, I want you to do. I want you to be a man. Which means shouldering your burden without complaint. How does that translate this anti-snitch thing? So Trump is up in arms. But more importantly, what he's doing is speaking a language that at least the, 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 the male side of the fence has an animal understanding and appreciation for. Because he's talking about that fuzzy, airy-fairy thing of loyalty. He is loyal to no one. But he's, he, he's, invoking, he's invoking the loyalty clause that underlies the no-snitch rule. And you know why we, have, uh, why we have an aversion to snitching? It does tie into all that John Wayne shit. Because presumably, you should be able to take care of it yourself. Autarky, the rule of the radically individual, of the radically individual, that you should be able to support yourself. Cops are a, a, the, the school of last resort. And if you've ever had a, I've had a, I see guys breaking into cars, call the cops. They go, what do you want us to do? I said, show, send the cruiser out to stop the guys from breaking into the fucking cars. It's, this is in Brooklyn in the 70s. What do you mean? What am I? I'm not a cop. But I understand. When I moved to, the, when I initially got bought a house in the in the the murder capital of America, back in the '80s, somebody kept trying to kick my gate in to see if my dog was vicious, because I put a, by law I have to put a, a vicious dog sign. Not Popeye. This dog was named Rommel after the Nazi commander in the desert. Well, that, you know, that's the name he came with. <laughs> And so I said, to, I called the cops and go, hey, listen, uh, uh, what's the law regarding shooting intruders? And he goes, huh, well, let me tell you, if you shoot somebody, better to shoot them in your house. If you shoot them outside of your house, my suggestion is that you then carry them into the house. If there is a trail of blood from where you shot them in the house, outside the house, to inside the house, I suggest you clean it before calling us. I can't give you this on the record, but that's my suggestion. You got a guy in your house, you can shoot him as you can, no questions asked. On the front lawn, the guy could be a Jehovah's Witness. We don't know. We uh, the guy could escape. You imminent threat. Man's home is a castle. Stand your ground. Whatever. The, the, we got to go to court. In the house, we don't go to court. So at that point, I was like, yep. 
It doesn't matter. Since I was 13, if you see me on a solo tip, believe that I'm strapped. So strangely enough, they stopped kicking my gate in just right around that time. The crack house across the street. It was a crack distribution point. So the buyers and fundamental, the sellers would come to get some, and then I found out that the cops busted them, the feds busted them. They had like $180,000 in coffee cans stashed around the house. I was like, if I had known that, I would have robbed the crack dealers across the street. But I digress. The point is, the point is that you're expected to handle your own business. You're expected to handle your own business. Is you, if somebody comes to me and said, hey, hey, Eugene, did you see my wife out when you, you, you were out, you were at this event? Was she there with somebody? What am I, a cop? What are you asking me for? You're asking me to get all up involved with your emotional life? I don't know, man. You're asking me difficult questions. Am I not telling him because I'm afraid? I'm not afraid. Am I not telling him because I'm keeping her counsel? I don't owe her anything. It's like Star Trek when they go to other planets. You know, our presence here, if you could go back in time to kill the baby Hitler, would you? You don't want to change the flow of history. You're just an observer. I used to have dreams. And in the dreams, an angelic presence came to me. It was heavy. And it wasn't like the movies. I don't know if you've stood next to a high, uh, a high, uh, you know, tra electricity transformer or been at the top of a dam with these turbines. Something really incredibly fucking powerful. And in this dream, they explained to me that I, the phrase that resonated with me, that I was a watcher. And you can find, they talk about watchers. That's, I think, the whole strip the watchman maybe was derived from. So watchers are fundamentally keepers of note and record. The, the physical embodiment of Switzerland, non-aligned, observing, recording, noting. You're a watcher. Had the dream several times. Till I got it. Don't know what it means. Don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about it or not. It's fanciful. Eh, things are community dreams. I'm making it up. Maybe. But we don't like we don't like people who snitch because they're a, they're they are a a, a craftful uh, the, the the subtlety and the craft of the snake in the Garden of Eden. They are a craftful way uh, of disseminating information that doesn't value the, um, the direct burst of experience. It feels like cheating. It violates, it violates our collective sense of fair play, even when bent towards protecting bad people. If I walk into a mall and shoot 10 guys there, and the cops run and say, what happened? And people go, he just shot 10 guys. Is that snitching? No. I did a public thing in a public place, in a public space, at a gaming convention, shot fucking 10, 11 people, thoughts and prayers, blah, 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 blah. I had no expectation of privacy. I had no expectation of, of escaping from it alive. This guy did not, the one in Florida. None. Nobody calls that snitching. We talked to 10 snitchers, and they said when the gunman pulled out a gun, they weren't snitchers. <laughs> They're just people reported on a public event in a public place in a public space. Well, Eugene, if, if somebody sees your wife out at dinner with somebody else, that's a public space and a public place, and, but it's not a public event. It's a private event. Public space, private event. Very different. Donald Trump and Michael Cohen, these were private events. He's become a public person, but those were private events. 
a guy I know today said, you don't know what you are. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, everything out of your mouth, you sound like a Republican. I go, what are you talking about? You just said that you were glad that in your life, none of the older people are in a position to ever need to rely on you for care as they get older. Because you're in, intimating that you would deny them. So I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I'm a grudge holder. So if you fucked me over when I was 13, and you're going to come around expecting some favors and forgetfulness because you're 86, count that shit out. He goes, oh, spite and revenge. Those are pretty democratic virtues. I go, are they? He goes, no, they're not. Huh. He goes, you know, these are really kind of Republicans. No, 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 no. No, the Republicans are like, us, fuck you. That's not what I'm saying. I drive a hard line, but I'm not so strict about the us. I think poor kids, every day poor kids are going to shitty schools. Day in and day out. You know, even good schools. My bass player's son went to one of the best high schools in California. He went in loving biology. It took them about a year to make him hate biology. That's not how school should work. I went to school, loving school, the high school. Came out bored to tears by history. And now I'm what your amateur history buff. How'd that happen? That four years of history in high school so bad, I didn't take any history in, in college, barely. So I care about the little people. I care the Republicans go, yeah, you want good schools? Pay for good schools. No, 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 man. You charge me taxes. I want my kid to, I want that, we got fucking lottery. I want, I want my kid to be able to get a good education. And I want poor people who have, that's the only way we're going to break this fucking cycle of poverty. Charles Bukowski says, everybody suffers, but nobody suffers like the poor suffer. Now, you, you, know, you tell me, to give me this Republican line of, oh, well, you know, it's not your God-given right to an education. Why don't you go to trade school? Why, why don't you go to trade school? Why don't you sign to the military and go to Vietnam instead of bone spurs and five fucking deferments? Yeah, but you would have taken those deferments if you had them. You're fucking ain't right, I would have. Because man, it's amazing you're not a Republican. Because the Republicans, like Chris Rock said, I would probably be a Republican except for the I hate black people thing. He's like, oh, they're not racist. Just stop. Just stop. But we're not talking about that. That's a digression. I want to go back to the idea of, of snitching. They have to match. Public events, public people, it's fine. Trump has gone from being a private person with private events to being a public person trying to conceal the private events. Now it becomes a story. The question is, is Michael Cohn snitching or is he not snitching? Your status has changed. If you stay a businessman, that guy keeps his counsel. He's talking about private events, private person. Once you become a public person, all fucking bets are off. It's like people running up to a shooting. What happened? Well, that guy shot those 10 guys. Am I snitching? I'm just reporting on events. Stormy Daniels stands up and says, hey, yo, bro, this guy gave me $130,000 to fuck him. Statement of fact. Private person, private event, becomes a public person, public event. At that point, Trump says, I'm sorry, don't we have something more important to talk about? Keep dragging it back to Stormy Daniels. I said, is Stormy Daniels a porn star? I don't spend a lot of time watching pornography, do you? Yes, but she's made certain allegations. People make allegations every day. We're not going to get anything done if we keep talking about allegations. So do you want to talk about the North Korean summit or do you want to talk about uh, people who get paid to have sex on camera? You tell me. It might sound like I'm defending Trump. I'm not necessarily defending Trump, but I understand his confusion. You know, people have, have you, you might be surprised. I mentioned this to some guy the other day. There was some interest in having me run for public office, as hard as it is to believe. I live in an economically depressed neighborhood. Used to go to city council meetings and community organizational stuff. Uh, my first wife was an attorney and got involved and said, oh, you know, people, my husband, okay, you got to show up. And, and, you know, they would always ask me if I was West Indian. 
because I was high achieving. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a Negro, not from West Indies. I said, well, you know, you should think about the city council. You should think about it. And, and you know, <laughs> it only pays to be a public person if you're going to be, if you're going to take all your private shit. You know, this is the thing. This is the thing. Trump is Motley Crue. But he had no records. TV show was not a record. That was a small slice of his reality. He wasn't extolling the virtues of hanging out with porn stars, cheating on his wife, you know, condomless sex, um, making back deals with the Russians, getting casinos signed off on, getting money, emoluments clause, fuck that, making money, getting the trucks loaded. That was all private stuff. It's business. That's why Kennedy got killed. The confusion between pi- private and public. In private, Joe Kennedy delivered the election in big cities where there was strong union presence for JFK. That was in private. In public, Bobby Kennedy was chasing Jimmy Hoffa and fucking going after the mob, even in light of J. Edgar Hoover not wanting to do this. If I take off my pants and I'm walking naked through downtown masturbating, that is, you can't snitch on that. If I invite you to my hotel, my hotel room and say, hey, I'm going to be pantsless and masturbating when you come up to the room, that's kind of a private event, unless I'm a public person. Which is why you shouldn't want to run for public office, because suddenly, you know, the first thing they say is, oh, all my privacy is gone. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, is Michael Cohen a snitch? The stuff he learned, he learned in private situations, the private individual. He wasn't a snitch when he could have been a snitch. Now he is not a snitch because he's talking about a public person. Can't have it both ways, bro. You wanted to be president. I don't want you to be president. I don't want to be president. I don't want to have to get there and explain. I went to a friend of mine who's he's in a pretty large band, pretty significant band. And another friend of mine who was in a significant band, she said, you know, that guy got me on the tour bus once. He got me in the back of the tour bus and he got kind of weird and sexually threatening. I go, really? She goes, yeah, it was a drag. So I got to go back to do it. Right. These are private events, private business, not putting a guy on blast. I'm not snitching. I'm going direct. I'm handling it. I go back to dude. I say, hey, man, hey, you know, she uh, is a friend of mine. She got on a tour bus, took you in the back, made of, you know, intimations of sexual violence. What's up with that? Dude took a side, took a deep breath and said, Eugene. I did a little I did a lot of foul shit when I was younger. And that was it. Took responsibility for it. He doesn't owe me an apology. Explained it to the best of his ability. Said I did a lot of foul shit. Fuck, I'm not that guy anymore. You know, you see her tell her I said sorry, whatever. Dude's not trying to be a public person. Not trying to have that shit put on blast. So I haven't explained. I mean, I've kind of tangentially explained our aversion to snitching. But, you know, a, um, the reality of it is it has to do with public versus private. And this is where the show gets very weird, see, because I consider myself a private person and we are having a private event. So it disturbs me when people who don't watch the show come to me and say, oh, I heard you were talking about this on the show. It means that those of you who watch the show are telling tales out of school. And I would feel fully within my rights to publicly deny what people who haven't heard the show have said that you told them that that you that you had heard. It's not a lie if you know it's in my best interest to not tell the truth. When I was a younger man, over the age of 18, statute of limitations expired on this, over the age of 18, not much over the age of 18, 
had a party at my place. Some girls stayed. Buddy of mine, his girlfriend stayed. Didn't have any heat in the living room, so she stayed in my room. There's a little messing around, but nothing big. Guy braces me in public a few days later and says, hey, hey. Mariah said that there was some fooling around. Mariah was his 17-year-old girlfriend. Is that true, Eugene? And I look him dead in the eye and I say, absolutely not. For those of you listening on the radio or iTunes or SoundCloud, I'm nodding my head as I say, absolutely not. You know I cannot tell you the truth in that instance. Only a fool publicly admits to criminal activity. I already checked out the statute of limitations, so don't fucking, don't even think I'm being a fool for mentioning this. I'm just making it up, maybe. How about that? 20-year-olds do all kinds of things. Generally, I've always liked older women, but whatever. Private event gone public. Public events gone private. Nobody's confused about the rightness or the rectitude of each of these different situations. Nobody. You feel it. You feel it. I feel, I feel that we've, a covenant has been violated when you tell somebody some shit that I told you and you alone. That's how I feel when I say, I don't want you videotaping the shows. Oxbow is playing next week, next Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee. As usual, hey, look, some people have already gotten on it because I did Jim, Jim Goad's group hug show. And I made mention of that. You text me, do the quiz, put you on the list. Now I got like four names on the list. It's first come, first serve basis. First three people who get all right answers, they get on the guest list. It's called Muddy Roots. Tons of bands are playing. We're going to go have a good time, play, and come back. Then on September 15th, we're in Los Angeles. Same rules apply. Anybody listens to the show, give me the quiz, text me the quiz. They have the show. Put you on the list. Anybody who listens to the show, standing carte blanche, always in Oxbow shows without getting paid. And if you're cool enough, I'll, and I don't mean cool enough, I mean if you're not a pain in the ass, I'll give you a backstage pass so you can come hang out backstage. All access pass, whatever. I don't give a shit whether you like the music or not. You like listen to the show, you should be able to get in. But eh, the, the, the reality of it is, the reality of it is, um, if you have an expectation that a confidence will be kept, a violation of that confidence is a violation of a covenant. And that's what rubs us the wrong way. If you are a public person, you have no private space. What you say to your wife is your business. But what you say to anybody else, that's a public affair. Guess what? Goes with the territory. Don't be the president. And we're going to see a lot more because I'm not going to jail for a guy who wouldn't go to jail for me. And he's not going to kill my whole family like the Albanian gangsters, so fuck you. It's interesting because the same sense of loyalty as it's applied when I talk about casino or politics also takes place in, in, with the UFC. Why Bruce Buffer, who generally I really like, is attacking uh, 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 Nate Diaz uh, you know, Nate Diaz should bow down and kiss the, the, the people of UFC for what they've given him. He, he, Bruce Buffer, that's a very interesting bit of editorializing. I mean, he's as wrong as wrong could be. He needs to go to Stockton sometime. He really needs to go to Stockton sometime. You know, like somebody once said about me, I can't tell whether Eugene doesn't give a shit or is just acting like he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Guess what? That line is very thin if you come from Stockton. Big fish, big pond, medium fish, medium pond, Stockton pond, Stockton fish. They don't give a fuck, man. If you dropped out of high school and were living in your car, I don't care. And there's no, there's no reason, there's no reason with a seven billion dollar company like the Baldwin is proclaiming that they have that uh, that dude can't ask for some money. How much are you getting paid for? It's time. But that's not the point. Bruce wasn't run out there on his own. Bruce was run out at the behest of somebody. 
Private people, private events, public situation. Started asking questions like, at whose bidding did Bruce get out there? It's now public. We could talk about it now, right? Without technically snitching. If I was connected to Bruce Buffer and I heard that the bald one put him up to it, I could say publicly, you know, I've got, he just told me that the bald one said them out there to do it. Oh, you fucking snitch. I'm not a snitch, man. You're talking about public people, public events. You took this shit to Twitter. <laughs> you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. None. So, UFC Lincoln. <laughs> the only reason I'm bringing this up is because in the Care Don't Care preview, I'm back to my winning, crushing ways. I destroyed Kid Nate. Look at, look at, look at Kid Nate's side of the equation. The pink being his fouled picks. And I picked fewer fights than he did. He picked one, two, three, four, five, six. And I picked five. So he could have bested me. But his three, three in the hole, he picked Moraga to win. Called the shot by KO. Picked uh, Andre Feely and Vic. I thought that the, uh, he, the one right that he got, the way we deviated, um, Casey over Angela Hill. And I think that Angela Hill got robbed myself. I'm not the only one. And to say that I'm a dreamer and I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Okay, nobody's texting me. I thought somebody was just texting me because maybe something was wrong with the audio. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, you see I got about 10 minutes left on the show to talk about the fights. <laughs> That should say it all, right? Have you ever been in Nebraska? Nebraska is the only state that almost caused me to have a nervous breakdown. Driving across country, I've driven across country, I don't know, maybe 20 times. And I, I'm okay always until I get to Nebraska. Because Nebraska, you look up and it's like, man, yo, bro, I don't think we're moving. Everything looks exactly the same as it did four hours ago. <laughs> and really, it makes you feel like you're about to lose your mind. But then once you get to the city, you know, Lincoln, Omaha, I've had great times there. As a guy who's played these cities, great times mean the shows are good. Maybe I got into a fight or, you know, some girl came up and said something saucy to me. And I go, hey, it's a good place. What somebody online called me, 60-year-old teenager. Uh, and you know, there's no if I did it, there's no if I did it or if the shoes fit on Tuesday because Alexi has got some business travel and or slash vacation. But it's OK because I was going to bail on Tuesday's show anyway. Because the 60 year old teenager is turning 56 on Tuesday. I don't mention that because I want you guys to bombard me with shit on uh, on uh, uh, on uh, Facebook, I mentioned it just because <laughs> all of those, all of those blasts about me being a has been and past it and over it, and you know, you who the fuck are you, you old fuck? And I'm competing on September 8th. That's right. If you're in my division, September 8th, remember this, please. EJJ is a seasoning; it's not a meal. <laughs> the cat who beat me at the Cow Palace. If you're listening, it's seasoning. It's not a meal. You don't have to gouge my eye. You don't have to fish hook me. You don't have to grab my nuts in the, in the <laughs> you know, you don't have to do that <laughs> in a scramble. You don't have to punch me in the testicles. You don't have to. That shit is just, it's just a little bit. It's like a pepper, cayenne, just a little bit. So, like, Henry Crinkle says, also known as Travis Bickle, you're only as old as you feel. And I feel not a day over 60. <laughs> How's that for a teenager? So, uh, the fights. Um, Yaha, um, Yaya, Yaha, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Um, I, we, both Kid Nate and I picked him. I'm looking at my little tote sheet. I'm not looking away from you. We, we both picked him, and it was why? Because it's always good to see good jujitsu, and it was interesting watching him. Because I mean, the thing that people say about jujitsu is, well, 
you know, you can't use it on the street because you were scrambling around the ground, uh, you know, multiple attackers. And it was interesting. He gets a, he gets a hold of dude's leg and dude is like trying to punch the fuck out of him. You just extend his body back. Put his fucking heel hook or knee bar, whatever the fuck it was that he finally put him away with. You know, if this were gladiatorial exchanges, yeah, I would have just broken the guy's leg and then stood up and continued the fight. Now, at that point, you just, you know, murder the guy, which is, I mean, all this is supposed to be. Uh, I, I guess people weren't always murdered in gladiatorial combat. Barbarino, Barbarino, Barbarino against Moraga. I had a bad feeling about Moraga, man. Kid Nate didn't. I had a bad feeling. A bad feeling. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Moraga was against, uh, who did he fucking fight? Where is he? Uh, against Figueredo. I just had a bad feeling about Moraga. He's been a gift for me. He's been a gift for me. And he got knocked the fuck out. Barbarino, Barbarino, he was fighting Jake Ellenberger. And Jake Ellenberger, just in case you haven't been clear on this and because there's no Tuesday show, I will tell you. Jake Ellenberger was event horizoned. And now, dark starred. Lost Battalion? No, because nobody gives a fuck what Jake, what Jake Ellenberger thinks about. Excuse me, Ellenberger thinks about where he is. And the next time you hear Jake Ellenberger's name, you're going to do the same thing I did like the last time I heard his name go, oh, shit. Is that, fuck, is that dude, he's still around? Uh, I guess he, wow, yeah, I guess he's still around. Whew. Okay. Angela Hill, and get, uh, you know, that's sad. I'm a big fan. I wrote a piece on her. Go to Ozzy.com, O-Z-Y.com. Type in Angela Hill. You'll see my piece about her. But she's game. She's there. And she's playing the game the way the game should be played. You want, you want fights? Militate for the fights. You want to be cute? Going to sit at home alone. Like that friend of mine in Vietnam, every time he fixed a helicopter, he was a mechanic. He'd go to the uh, commanding officer, goes, I fixed that helicopter. Goes, yeah, yeah, great. No, no. I fixed that helicopter. Yeah, I got you. No. I, Jimmy, Jimmy fixed that. I, I, I got you, Jimmy. Thank you. Every time he fixed one. Every time. Now, we didn't do it. It's no fucking we. I fixed that helicopter. Angela Hill is like that. There's a fighter dropped out. I want that fight. Why not? Why won't you give me? Somebody once described Jermaine Durand to me, actually, who is back. And uh, the reason why she's back, apparently, from my inside sources, is that she's got vacation time from work. And so is willing to do a fight. But she said, it, well, she's not the only one to say this. Other people have said that the UFC is like the worst girlfriend ever. They call you all the time, then they never call you. And then they call you when it's really inconvenient. And then they ask for ridiculous things and they hang up on you. Then they don't call you and they call you back. Angela Hill is fighting fire with fire and doing that to them and getting fights. She should have won this one, but that's the way it goes. I didn't pick any Mickey Gall against George Sullivan because I didn't give a fuck. I did not care. Hold on. Michael Johnson and Andre Philly. I picked Johnson. He's been on a slide, but he's been on a sl not a slide against tough guys. You can't call it that at all. He's a tough fucking guy. I didn't see him losing to Philly at all. Feely is pillowy. Just my vibe, man. Just what I'm feeling. And Gagey and Vic, Vic described it as the worst night of his life. <laughs> Which makes me pretty happy. I, I like that. The worst night of your life? Hey, man. Hey, bro. Consider yourself lucky. If that's the worst night of your life, you got a lot. You, you, you're living right. You're living right. And Gaethje, I knew was going to come out. He's a balls-to-the-wall fighter. He's like the old UFC fighters. Like, when you look at these guys' records, Tank Abbott, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, you, Tito Ortiz, he's a, Don Fry. These are fucking tough fucking guys, but their records are not like, they're not like Johnny Boney Joni-esque. And a lot of times when I see a Johnny Boney Joni-esque, uh, uh, I'm seeing a guy who's cherry-picking. Very careful with the fight-picking. Super careful and like a Kungle. Kungle used to do that. Was really 
my introduction to him, even I met him in the airport and somebody said, you know, the scuttlebutt on him is he picks uh, uh, opponents that are his former students. He's racking up wins that way. I don't know whether it was true or not, but I know when he finally went into MMA, he told me he was going to fight Anderson Silva. He thought that was a good matchup for him. That was probably the craziest thing I heard him say, but I probably came to the conclusion after seeing uh, uh, Silva against Weidman that he was maybe right. He's like the guy said, I stick my neck out for no one. Well, I don't remember what movie that's from. I think Marlon Brando said it. I stick my neck out for no one. Gaethje is that kind of guy, old style throwback. And, you know, it, which is why he will continue to get booked. He had three. He, have, he could have three losses in a row and they would all be scintillating enough so that when he gets to the fourth, when he pulls out. And the thing that's fundamentally kind of compelling about that is that what happens with a guy like that is that he understands that on a long enough timeline, all of the true quality will out. Not one of these guys who loses a fight goes, oh, man, oh, man, what if I lose the next one? I mean, this is like when you go into a sexual situation, you suffer some certain degree of sexual dysfunction, and then you start this downward spiral of, oh, man, what if I can't get it up again? What if, what if I blow my load too fast again? Oh, no, it's happening again. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it happened. <laughs> and then you just end up being a, you know, a guy, man, going their own way because you can't handle the stress. Every situation is a situation anew. Wes Sims was the, the losingest fighter kept getting fights because he fought like that last fight never happened. And it's actually an act of ledger domain. He can convince you that that last fight never happened because he fights like it never happened. You guys go in there. You all look different. You come out. You all look the same. Scared. That's why I had this great emotional outletting when Jose Aldo won his last fight because you could tell he was in that downward spiral. I lost I mean, what if I lose again? Oh, if I lose again, it'd be terrible. I, maybe I'm washed up. Maybe I've hit the apex. Hey, you know what? When you're 55, soon to be 56, you don't give a shit about that, man. I'm on the long road out of town right now. Long road out of town. If you were to chart the success of my life, <laughs> my, the, my physical apex, I probably, you know, who knows when it was, but it wasn't yesterday. And it sure as fuck won't be tomorrow. But like Justin Gagey, eh, the next day, past performance has no, what is it? Past performance has no, there's no indication of future success. <laughs> past failure, past success is no in, in, indication uh, of future failure. <laughs> I live in a very special place. It's called a visionary place. I don't see things as they are. <laughs> I see things as they could be. That's why I'm still training six days a week. That's why I'm still signing up for fights. That's why I'm running with weighted vest in the noonday sun like I was today. Two miles. Almost died. Drink water? Why would I do that? Why? I took did chin-ups on the structure that's on the cover of Boone Wells. Uh, the Easy Way Out, which you can get from iTunes, Spotify, Tidal. You should buy it. It's a good record. As well as Chapel in the Pines. I'm putting out fucking more stuff. I'm like Steve Allen. 5,000 fucking projects. That's right. I'll have two more before the year is out. Hardest working man in show business. He's dead. No, he lives again. Anyway, we're, that we're, we're down to the end of the show. So let, let me be clear on the snitch thing. This whole movement of don't snitch, I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't tell me shit. You don't tell me anything. You, you don't tell me anything. You're not reminding me of shit. Three types of secrets, Hitler said. The ones we share, the ones I keep from you, and the ones about future events as yet untold. If I really don't want a secret to get out there, I don't tell you. But if I tell you, I have an expectation that it won't go beyond you. And that's a reasonable expectation. But this don't snitch thing, fuck that. I don't share it with you. There's nothing to snitch about. Yeah, but what if you, if some guy sees you someplace where you're supposed to be? Did he see me? 
What did Rene Descartes say? Can't trust your eyes. You don't know what you saw. Well, were you, were you at the spaghetti factory or were you not at the spaghetti factory? I said, are you a cop or are you not a cop? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There's a private and there's a public. But people who are pronouncing these t-shirts, don't, no, don't snitch, get on my nerves. Just like Trump complaining about flippers gets on my nerves. You should have embraced the fact that you are a public figure. You should have already known this. Don't be surprised. You're not a kid. Wise the fuck up. Any mafia guy could have told you that. Casino politics, baby. You should know them better than anybody. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Tuesday, there will be no if I did it or if the shoes fit. Wednesday, there may be a a, uh, care, don't care preview if there's a fight next weekend. Remember what I said? about Oxbow shows, September 15th, LA, September 16th, San Diego. Some of you have invited me to train. You know it's my addiction. I got to tell you, honest to God, it's the stupidest thing ever for me to go train on the day I have a show, but I'm really thinking about it. (laughs) You guys in Burbank who invited me into Legacy, I'm really thinking about it, bro. Oh, man. It would be really incredibly stupid, but I'm known for incredibly stupid. So anyway, we'll see. We'll think about it. But anyway, this is a show. Uh, go below. Click a thumbs up. Tell your friends about it. The sex column is out today. Some of you have actually been sending me questions, so it's in the sex column. If you go to Ozzy.com, sex with Eugene, it should be the one that came up. I think if you just go Ozzy.com, it's on the front page today, and it will be for at least another hour and a half. Uh, the books I will put up today. I said I'd do it before my birthday. We're going to do it today. You guys can bid. I got I got them. I'll show them to you. I don't have to show them to you. You know what they look like. The fight book. Patreon.com slash the stomper. Anyway, uh, the show's over. I've, I've, I've rambled on too long. We'll say about seven minutes over. We'll see you soon. Until the, uh, Look what you made me do!